Today's episode of Drive Through HR is brought to you by the Unleash Conference. With events in London, Las Vegas, and Paris, the Unleash team brings you the best content in the best locations around the world. Unleash your people. Register today at unleashgroup.io. Hey, cats and kittens, welcome back to Drive Through HR. This is Dwayne Lee, your host for the day. And while we normally get into tech stuff, um, I've got something a little special I want to share with you. Uh, we were able to go uh, be part of the Unleashed Conference in Paris this year. Uh, we've got several episodes of that content. Hopefully you caught our show we just did with China Gorman. Um, but today's show is an uncut Q&A with Bob Geldof. Now, Bob, as I'm sure you know, um, Sir Bob Geldof, I should say, uh, was the driving force behind Live Aid, um, behind a lot of other charity events, behind a lot of social movements, uh, and is an icon in the entertainment industry, um, and just a, a wicked smart dude. And I was lucky enough to get to be part of a, uh, a very small Q&A with a few people in the room uh, to talk to Sir Geldof for about 20 minutes. So uh, we have been... Um, given the chance to share this audio with all of you, which is pretty great. So um, without further ado, I'm going to stop talking and let you listen to the words of Sir Bob Geldof. <laughs> Bob? Hi, Lauren from the Lauren Epstein Show. I was so, just going to say, who's Lauren? <laughs> yeah, when is Brother next... Jacob, I take it. That's, yes. that's what I was told, yeah. Okay. And Brian, really. Okay. Brian. <laughs> so uh, when, when is the next Live Aid, and how are you going to do it with the new technology? Um, I'm not going to do it because uh, I don't think it will be effective. Um, uh, I, anything like that that may happen in the future does and will happen through technology. So, sort of, you know, basically putting up a wooden stage and having bands plug in. Rock and roll is no longer the central spine of the culture anyway, or certainly of the global culture. So, uh, it wouldn't be as effective. And, um, you know, if it's not effective, don't do it. I was wondering, um, you often have to inspire a lot of people to change, and clearly you're very good at that. Um, how do you think, sort of diving in off the last question, you can push that kind of change now? Or do you think it's even possible? Obviously, the, the area would change, but do the methods change? Do yeah, I, I do think it changes. I mean, um, so when I was a kid, I mean, what I learned from rock and roll specifically and what I clung on to was the articulation of change um, in the early 60s by boys and girls with guitars. I mean, specific articulation changed, literally the times they were changing, so get out of the way. And um, from what I took from that was that change was uh, not only inevitable but desirable. And um, in my case, that rock and roll was the rhetoric of that change and the form itself could be the platform for change. And I could see that literally happening in front of me, you know. And um, as pop music was a medium that informed my generation about almost everything. I mean, if we take just the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, just them, um, then, you know, you're opened up to 
world cultures, you're opened up to different ways of looking, different, different ways of viewing the world, different ways of behaving in front of authority, different ways of de deconstructing social strata. And that was all happening in very fast. So um, I grew up to amplify that a little. I, I don't mean musically, unfortunately, <laughs> but um, certainly being able to take it to where these pioneers started off like turning this thing into a global culture so okay let's address that global culture these days it will be i'll come back to um change you see it happening all the time uh, through um, social media the problem with the diffusion of social media is that it's so broad now that the singular message has very little chance of being noticed um, so, you know, I suppose you could say the diffusion of the medium has meant the dilution of the message. Mm -hmm. And that then becomes more, more difficult to talk about singular ideas of change. And I think it's only through that if you can't say, let's change everything, well, what do you mean? It doesn't happen. The problem with that is that everything is changing simultaneously. And so it leaves us in a terrible state of confusion. And when we're confused, we revert to certainties, economic certainties, political certainties. Um, Brexit is an example of that, nationalism, protectionism, the strong man notion of, of uh, authority. It's, it's not authority at all. It's a pantomime version. The strong man is a pantomime version of a leader. So uh, that's sort of what's going on. And then the other uh, phenomenon of this thing that we all have is that everything is sort of relative to the other. You get this awful moral relativism. So uh, things like elites are seen as very dangerous. They're not. If I'm going to have, if I have cancer, I want to go to the best cancer dudes. I'm not going to go to the fucking vet, you know. So uh, I don't want, I want to understand the difference between that which is excellent and that which is merely meretricious. And so um, relativism creeps in. So my version of what is right, my idea of my rights, is equal to your version of your rights. So we've broken down even this notion of human rights, which we insist is universal, but we now know is simply parochial. Um, these rights that we say extend to all humans, loads of people don't believe that. But more to the point, we then insist that these are broken down into, parsed into ever finer proportions and then the smallest right is exactly equal to the greatest egregious crimes committed against the bulk of humanity. And that's simply not true. So that leads to a confusion about values. So all of these things, we're sort of struggling with all of that now. So you said that you don't think that music can be, or well, you didn't say music, you said that you don't think messages can be shared through rock and roll the way that it once was. But yeah. it can still be shared through music, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah, but it's based music, it, we do share messages of Yeah, well, I'm not interested in sharing messages. You know, rock and roll doesn't... Music itself changes nothing. It just articulates the gestalt, or, you know, uh, you know, that's all. I mean, it's what you do with the music that changes it. You know, um, Elton John or, you know, David Bowie playing at Live Aid, they didn't change anything, you know. Great songs, but, yeah. dude, you know... You know, so what happened was that because they're extremely popular, X many million watched David Bowie. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, the sense of a song like Heroes, uh, if you take the sense of that song, that, that might have a greater impact than the sense of Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, say, for example. <laughs> so, um, but it's still, you still have that electric moment, especially as they performed both so brilliantly. But w what had effect was the commonality, the sense that um, because the big kicker was that we'd utilised all these satellites to talk to the planet. And it turned out, and I suspected this was the case, that the lingua franca of the planet was not English, it was pop music. And so we could all listen to this stuff, all think it was excellent, all agree this is really excellent, and then you could point a direction of travel, say, well, this is excellent, and the reason all this excellence is gathered here is because of this. So do you agree with us all that we can target that to affect that? And so you had sort of humans, all of humanity, you know, this it sounds like I'm bigging this fucking, I'm sick of talking about this thing, so I'm not bigging up anything. <laughs> but, but, you know, so what you have is you have all of humans, 95% of all TV stations in the world in 1985 were tuned to this thing. And so you've got a sense that this was like an electronic hearth. Uh, those of you who aren't English, do you understand what a hearth <laughs> is? You know, it's the fireplace. Or a, so it's um, a sense that this was an electronic hearth around which everyone gathered, called by the Pied Pipers of the world. And, um, and we could talk for the first time since we left the Rift Valley in Africa 300,000, 250,000 years ago. We could connect on something shared and that shared something was uh, the potential death of 30 million people because they didn't have food. That's ridiculous. And we could agree on that. We could agree that to allow these people to die would be a, a terrible wound on the body of humanity. So let's stop it. And then why does it happen? Well, it's fucking economics, dude. If I'm hungry, I just go to the supermarket. Or if there's a drought in France... There's money there to import food. So why is this happening? So one thing leads to another, but it didn't happen because David sang Heroes. Right. So that's the difference. And you can have wonderful songs that enlarge your consciousness. Um, I never thought of it like that. Or what's he talking about? Like, you know, or they just make you feel a certain way that in turn opens you to something else. Um, so that's what music does, but it doesn't empirically change anything in the world. It just sounds fucking great, and we all want to join in that spirit. And then, if you can marshal that spirit to affect change, that's up to you. As a psychologist, I'm interested in your personal, if you don't mind. Mm, I'm a fuck up. Ah, you know, okay. That's it. So okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so the tech age uh, accept and arrives a very clear identity. If you should sell yourself today for the music business, how would you do it? What is your identity? How could you describe it? What is your purpose? What was and what is your drive? Uh, well, if you're a musician, the drive is to articulate the sense you have when you begin a song. You, you don't know where the song is coming from. Play a chord. Same chord you played yesterday. The chord meant nothing yesterday. Today, for some reason, it triggers a response. And you begin writing a song. And then you try and 
make that as complete as possible for you. And then, obviously, from a business point of view and a lifestyle point of view, you hope fucking somebody else likes it, you know. Um, but it's not that important. You know, you think, oh, that's a good one. Or you're disappointed at the end of it. You think, I thought it was better. It was meant to be better. I thought it was better in my head. Or you, you didn't get it. You, you failed. Like a painter, you know, they, get, they throw it out. And so that's the job. Um, and then I guess your identity is by definition uh, embedded in the song. You could not write the same song as I write. You know, you just couldn't. Uh, you might write better songs, but it wouldn't be the same. And then if somebody hears my song and they respond to it, it's they're responding to some psychological trigger that mirrors what I felt, I suppose. Or it could mean something else to them, you know, absolutely entirely. You know, when people confuse the words, like Mark there, he fucking... He, he confuses the words of every bloody song. That great song, that, and he'll say something, you know, like famously Jimi Hendrix, "Excuse me while I kiss the sky." Mm -hmm. that, that that's that's quite an, that's quite a lovely, and I suppose psychological thing. He wrote, "Excuse me while I kiss the sky," but everyone thinks he sings, "Excuse me while I kiss this guy." So, like, you know, so they got a completely different. Hey, fucking, you know, Jimmy, <laughs> right in front of the whole thing. So. Um, my my personal identity in, in in selling those songs or marketing those songs is no different to this, you know. Um, I think if you try and put on an image like your clothes, I think you'll go mad, you know. And we see it a lot. Um, we see it with, you know. It's odd. Like let's take Miley Cyrus, who was a Disney kid. And then she starts bumping and grinding and, you know, getting her tits out and, you know, shaking her ass around. Turns out that that's actually probably who she is, as opposed to the Disney kid, you know. And then there's so the other young girls see that and say, that's, that's what I have to be to be a pop star. But they'll crash and fail. And they destroy themselves. We see that a lot. Or, you know, heavy metalers like kids are going, yeah, fuck yeah. I like that, but they're not. They're just nice guys, you know. So, so, you know, how do I sell it? I tell people, please buy my record, or I'll be broke. You know, please, <laughs> you know, pretend you like it, just fucking buy it. You know? <laughs> That's it. You know. So, so when you saw throughout your career some some pretty massive um, societal change, yeah. Um, when you talk about some of the programs you run, you know the music became the thread that we pulled us all together with. Yes. And so now we're looking at some uh, again very large scale societal upheavals across the world. Yes. Do you do you see the thread being pulled between those? Are we missing it, or or is it there and we just haven't seen it yet? No. It no. The world is very vociferous and fractious and febrile uh, at the moment, and it's a result of uh, technology. This. Um, you know, I, I, I bore people with um, that this century was invented in 1989. Three significant things happened. The, the Berlin Wall fell, mm. so that prefaced the end of the post-war uh, stalemate. And uh, the world was sort of held in aspic and held its breath during my childhood because we all were thought we were going to blow each other up. Um, but then there was this great relief that the world would become fluid and we'd all like each other and what was wrong with us. But it turned out that we needed an enemy. We needed something mm -hmm. to focus against. 
then there was a young British kid in CERN in Switzerland who decided he wanted to access his colleagues' computers and he invented a code mm -hmm. and he called it the World Wide Web. And that was his brilliant insight. Um, obviously his invention was incredible, but uh, despite what Tim says, he did not anticipate exactly its immediate cataclysmic effect on the world. Uh, but calling it the World Wide Web, he understood what it meant. So a digital synaptic membrane wrapped around the planet that created an instant hive society like a web. The minute we're on, it trembles like a spider's web and we're all alert and we all reach for our, when the thing pings in the train. Today, everyone went to look at their phone. You know, and then we're a little anxious that they were, it wasn't their ping. Um, and the third thing was that Deng Xiaoping applied for membership of the WTO. Mm -hmm. So in those three uh, singular events, you have the 21st century. And the consequence of those three things really only came to fruition this year or last year. And uh, the first thing the web did was create the global tech economy, which we're still wrestling with. It moves far too fast for us to comprehend. Um, so the stock market in New York makes no fucking sense whatsoever at the moment. The bond market is, mm -hmm. you know, this currency is valueless. Um, you know, new jobs, uh, jobs were wiped out through globalization as a result of um, technology. Those jobs aren't coming back. Um, technology increases exponentially at a pace, so before we have time to catch breath, it moves on and moves on faster and faster. Uh, eventually, you become very confused and you retreat, as I say, to certainty, to you know protectionism, which always leads to war, isolationism, which always leads to war. Mm -hmm. um, as I say, the pantomime of the the strong man, which everyone goes, God, Putin's so great. He seems to be doing. He's a fucking idiot. Erdogan, Xi Ping, this is, it's easy, it's so easy to be the strong man, you just have to control your army and your <laughs> cultural figures. So yeah, that's what we're living through and it is very confusing and I wouldn't like to be 19 and 20 now at all um, because there's no markers as to where this is going, not so long as the tide of exponential technological growth occurs where even things like economy are what does that actually mean now, um, where left and right mean really nothing? The political paradigm now must be you're off or on. That's it. Um, so, yeah, you know, does anybody ever read, do you, do you know um, Professor Lovelock, James Lovelock, anybody? Uh, well he was 100 two, three weeks ago. He was a NASA scientist. 60s. He was the chemical uh, engineer scientist who had to um, uh, map the gases on the moon before the guys landed there and on the on Mars. He was the one who found the ozone hole. He said it must be caused by CFCs. He said it'll be there. It was there. They banned CFCs, and he's the one who came up with the theory of the Gaia theory of of um, evolution. And it turns out that's right too. So he's written a book in his late 90s called Novocene, which says that the Anthropocene, which is the age that we are coming to the end of, so it's a 350-year period called the Man Age, Anthropocene, where one species rose to the top and was able for the first time in the planetary history to alter the planet. That never happened before. Every other age is geological. He's saying that's over now. There's a new one called the Novocene, the New Age. 
and it's uh, predicated on the fact that electrical creatures <coughs> will exist within a very short space of time. Um, they will be actually living creatures and they will reproduce themselves and they will be organic because of they're electric but anyway they needed our period of organic progression to get to them mm. and uh, he's there's a lot of science behind it which is interesting it's not that deep it's not that big a book you should read it um, and uh, it's possible and he goes into the science of it he goes into the latest computers and what the latest ones will have with their uh, carbon chips rather than silicon diamond chips and stuff like that and their processing power which are quantifiably times x and they will solve uh, quantum logics and they will solve um, you know uh, physics and stuff like that in which case we're kind of out of the plot they're not going to kill us or that but we as he says we'd be sort of like daffodils or something we'd just be benign <laughs> and there you know and um, so uh, you know, that's the sort of shit that noodles around in my head we are out of time thank you so much um, I just want to uh, loop back to what you said about you wouldn't like to be 18 or 19 today, mm. but what advice would you give a, an 18 or 19 year old to make, to make an impact? Yeah, but I've got all these at home, you know. <laughs> <laughs> My advice is stop being a fucking pain in the arse, you know. <laughs> and um, the, the job of being young is to reinvent the world. The job is to reject everything that you've been told. That is the job. Find out the bits that you like, that you want to stay with. Read. Read properly. You know, you don't have to turn the thing off, but just read. Read a book. Read a book. Not a Kindle, not a this. Read. Uh, think. Give yourself time to think. Give yourself space. When you're with your mates, engage in, you know, argument, just over a, over a drink or a drug. And, um, uh, you know, reinvent you know, I mean, change starting off, change is inevitable. So you can't shape that change. We're, our game is up, mine is up, his is up, so ours is up. But you can't, you, 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 ha you have to shape it. You know, all generations fail, and some more spectacularly than most. Ours really failed. Our generation really failed. And, uh, you know, they may fail even more spectacularly, and that would be even worse consequences. Thank you very much. So that was our uh, Q&A, sit down with Sir Bob Geldof. Of course, uh, Crystal was in there, uh, my co-host here, uh, as well as a few other of our friends. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. We'll have more Unleash 19 conference info. Thanks so much for the team there for allowing us to be part of that show. Um, stick around. We'll have some other shows coming up with some of those vendors, with some of the speakers, uh, and some of the great content they were able to share. Uh, again, if you've never been, uh, please check out their site. It's unleashgroup.io. Um, they've got shows coming up in the spring in London, in uh, Las Vegas, and then back in the fall in Paris of next year. So fantastic people, fantastic show. Uh, thanks for joining us. We will talk to you on the other side.